Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. From Mamma Mia, hi, I'm Claire Murphy. Welcome to The Quickie, getting you up to speed daily. The US election is now just six weeks away, and while the campaigns have already been firing shots at each other, something happened this week that has thrown another weapon into the mix. A feminist and a cultural icon who later in life earned rock stardom. US Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg has died at the age of 87. Her death sets up a political battle to shape the future of the highest court in the United States, as well as basic rights for Americans for decades to come. Today, we find out why the death of Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg is so significant right now, and why the race to replace her could bring a president down. This week, the world lost a woman who's done more for the women of America than most. Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, or as she's affectionately known as by her supporters, RBG. In the ancient days when I was going to college, the law was not a welcoming profession for women. Born in 1933 in Brooklyn, New York, she would go on to teach at Rutgers University Law School and then Columbia, where she would become the first ever female tenured professor. Through the 70s, she served as the director of the Women's Rights Project of the American Civil Liberties Union before being appointed to the US Court of Appeals for the District of Columbia by President Jimmy Carter in 1980. President Bill Clinton nominated her for the US Supreme Court in 1993. If, as I believe, the measure of a person's values can best be measured by examining the life the person lives, then Judge Ginsburg's values are the very ones that represent the best in America. I am proud to nominate this path-breaking attorney, advocate and judge to be the 107th Justice to the United States Supreme Court. Mr. President, I am grateful beyond measure for the confidence you have placed in me, and I will strive with all that I have to live up to your expectations in making this appointment. That would make her just the second woman ever to be appointed to the U.S. Supreme Court. And since that day, she's continued to argue for gender equality in cases through her long career, writing the landmark decision in the case of the U.S. versus Virginia, which stated that the Virginian military couldn't refuse to admit women. You might have seen tributes to her with just the words, I dissent. That was in the case of Bush versus Gore, which in the end decided the outcome of the 2000 presidential election. She objected to the court's majority opinion favouring George W. Bush, but instead of saying the traditional I respectfully dissent, she simply stated, I dissent, making it very clear how she felt about the situation. Reflecting on it a year later, though, she left those asking about it to read between the lines. I leave calm reflection and appraisal of Bush v. Gore to history's pages. For this audience, I will simply report that the opening night and early months Reviews were decidedly mixed. 
Famous for her lace collars, she was considered part of the Supreme Court's moderate liberal bloc, continuing to be the voice of gender equality, the rights of workers and the separation of church and state. Of the nine seats in the Supreme Court, she was often asked a number of women there that would make her feel like equality had been achieved. People ask me sometimes, when do you think it will be enough? When will, it, will there be enough women on the court? And my answer is, when there are nine. When she was questioned about that answer, she said, well, no one complained when it was all nine white men. After 27 years serving as a justice on the Supreme Court, on September 18, Ruth Bader Ginsburg died from complications related to pancreatic cancer. Presidential hopeful Joe Biden called for the government to respect her final wishes. Her granddaughter said yesterday and said publicly that her dying words were, quote, my most fervent wish is that I not be replaced until a new president is installed. As a nation, we should heed her final call to us, not as a personal service to her, but as a service to the country, our country, at a crossroads. President Donald Trump, though, is keen to get the ball rolling on her replacement ASAP. The process will move. I think it's going to move very quickly, actually. I agree with the statement put out by Mitch McConnell. Uh, I agree with it actually 100%. I put out a very similar statement you saw. So I think we're going to start the process extremely soon and we'll have a nominee very soon. As her body now lies in state at the US Capitol, the first woman in history to be bestowed that honour, and as is tradition in the Supreme Court, black banners have been draped over the entry to the chamber and across RGB seat that will remain in place for 30 days. Her death and the implications of her no longer being a Supreme Court justice will impact the 2020 presidential election. But how? And why is she so important? Dr Casey McLaughlin is a senior lecturer in law at the University of Newcastle Law School. Casey, firstly, why is the Supreme Court itself so important? The United States Supreme Court is politically and legally really significant. It keeps the other branches in the American constitutional system, that being the legislative and executive branches, in check, and it makes landmark decisions that can really fundamentally transform the country. So the kinds of things that really uh, loom large, abortion rights, affordable health care, gun rights, election outcomes, those kinds of things where the Supreme Court has historically played some kind of role. So what does Ruth Bader Ginsburg's death mean politically then in the big scheme of things? How does this all work into the presidential election? Since the 1990s, the United States Supreme Court has increasingly split 5-4 along what is loosely described as ideological lines between the liberal and more conservative quarters of the court. So for a long time, that means she's been seen as a reliable liberal voice on the court. And the idea that President Trump might be able to name her successor means that it would entrench a 6-3 tilt towards the right. And that's the kind of shift that could really change the court for a generation. So the reason that it's so politically significant and will really add to what is already a divisive election is in naming her successor, it could shape the Supreme Court for a generation to follow. What kind of decisions 
could this affect? I know that the case Roe versus Wade is being talked about quite a bit, which is what the Reproductive Rights Bill is based on. Could it actually upend women's ability to access safe and legal abortions in the US? This is a really big and important question. And one of the the things that we see in the United States whenever there uh, is a discussion around a Supreme Court appointment is one of the things that's interesting is what their position will be on Roe v. Wade. And President Trump has come out and said that he supports appointing a woman to the Supreme Court as Bader Ginsburg's successor. But it's a really useful reminder that women don't all think the same and they don't necessarily have the same outlook when it comes to reproductive rights or other equality issues. And one of the front runners that Trump has put forward is Amy Coney Barrett, who is well known as someone who isn't necessarily going to support Roe v. Wade as, as a precedent because of her stated public views about life beginning at conception. So that's looming in the background in terms of the naming of the successor. Who else has Trump named as a potential successor for RBG? He's also named Barbara Lagoa. She's a judge from Florida, and she was the first Hispanic woman and the first Cuban-American woman to serve on the Florida Supreme Court. She, if appointed, would be the youngest of the judges. She's uh, 52 years old. So he has not put forward the name of, of two women. That doesn't necessarily mean that he is going to look to naming a woman as uh, his nominee, but certainly it would be quite strategic politically in terms of the enormous place that RBG had in the cultural imagination of America as a woman judge, to name a woman as her successor, I think would be a good strategic move on his behalf. But it is important to be mindful of the fact that simply naming a woman doesn't necessarily mean that woman would carry on Ruth Bader Ginsburg's legacy. And that's precisely the point, really, from a conservative perspective. Now, it's been revealed that Ruth Bader Ginsburg apparently asked for her position not to be filled until after the presidential election and the president has been decided. Does she have any posthumous say in that? I mean, I know that Donald Trump is now saying that he's going to appoint somebody before the election anyway, and there seems to be a bit of, I'm going to say hypocrisy in the Republican Senate leader, Mitch McConnell, who back in the day when Obama was looking to replace a Supreme Court justice right before the election, and he said, no, that should be for the American people to decide. And this time around seems to be claiming the opposite. What is the legality in all of this? Does she have any say in how quickly she's replaced? Is there any law in place that says a president can't replace someone if it's so close to an election? These are really interesting questions, and her dying wish doesn't shape the legality. So at the end of the day, the way that the, the process works is the president makes the pick and the appointment is really a three-step process. So the president makes a nomination, then the nominee needs to be confirmed by the Senate confirmation hearing process, and then the person is appointed. The catch in this particular instance is time. The sense is that this would be a very quick turnaround. It would be the quickest in the history of such processes. But there is nothing to stop the Republicans from pursuing the process of nomination and confirmation and appointment. But as you mentioned, it very much contradicts the justification 
by the Republican-controlled Senate when they refused to consider the nomination of Merrick Garland. And that situation was similar but not exactly the same because in that situation, Garland was nominated some 11 months before the election. And in this instance, you know, we're, we're talking a little bit over a month. And one of the things that, that comes into play is really the process of Senate confirmation. Essentially, there are 100 senators in the United States Senate and it's currently majority Republican. There are 53 Republicans. And in order to get a nominee through that Senate confirmation process, the Republicans need 51 votes. And at, at the moment, we have, I think, two Republican senators who are on record as really seeing it as being a particular hypocrisy in relation to that whole background around um, who gets to name and appoint a nominee and in what circumstances. So it's going to be a really a political question in terms of whether or not the Democrats are able to convince another two additional Republicans to vote with them when it comes to the Senate confirmation process. Do you think Ruth Bader Ginsburg's death could actually affect the outcome of the 2020 presidential election? That's a very big and, and, and interesting question. Certainly, we're hearing reports from the United States that it has mobilised uh, people on both sides of politics. Uh, we're hearing that there's been record donations to the, the Democratic campaign. And certainly one of the things that is coming out of, of her death is a sense that this election might become about the Supreme Court vacancy. And for us here in Australia, that's a really interesting proposition because our elections are not fought on high court appointments and our high court appointment process really isn't nearly so politicised as this process, but it really does seem to be shaping the political debates. There's also a counter idea that this has been quite helpful for Trump in that it is a distraction from some of the issues that had really been plaguing his campaign in more recent times, in particular the response to COVID and also race relations. And there has been a sense that this really mobilises support both from, from those who would like to see the nominee announced by the next president and those who see this as an opportunity to seize the moment and really ensure that the Supreme Court has a conservative majority for a long time to come. Would that conservative majority also help Trump if this election does end up in the Supreme Court contested like it has been in the past? I mean, there's been a lot of discussion about Donald Trump trying to organise things so that he can claim victory even if he hasn't really got it. Could this be another way for him if he's got a conservative stack Supreme Court to win the presidential election, even if technically maybe he hasn't? Yes, absolutely that, that is a concern. So obviously, irrespective of the particular stripes of the, the judge in question, the idea is that judges are still very much bound by the constitutional text and it is their job to interpret it. But there are enormous concerns that a stacked Supreme Court could very much be in Donald Trump's favour should there be a need for the Supreme Court to make any decisions that relate to the election, such as we have seen past examples of. Ruth Bader Ginsburg wasn't perfect. There were many decisions she made that even her most loyal supporters disagreed with. And while she was seen as progressive in areas regarding gender equality, 
She could also be quite conservative in others, like endorsing the construction of the Atlantic Coast Pipeline beneath the Appalachian Trail, or the Trump administration's policy of expediting the deportation of people seeking asylum in the US. But whether you support her or not, Ruth Bader Ginsburg's legacy will remain, one that doesn't even seem to be ended with her death, one that could see her influence the outcome of the 2020 presidential election. It's been noted that she passed away on Rosh Hashanah. By tradition, the person who dies during the Jewish New Year is considered a soul of great righteousness. That was Ruth Bader Ginsburg, a righteous soul. This episode of The Quickie was produced by Melanie Tate with audio production by Madeline Joannou. Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of the land we have recorded this podcast on, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures.